Hey everybody, this is Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast back with you once again. And I say once again because, you know, I think I'm starting to look forward to this more than you guys are out there. Uh, the feedback I'm getting is tremendous as some of the guests we've been bringing on. And I'll just be honest, I, I just got lucky. And I think you're going to find that today um, with the man that we have on, Mr. Dave Freeze. He is uh, pretty remarkable. And before I get to him, because I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss this guy. He's a communicator, who's a pers- persuader, and uh, he is a negotiator. And so he, I'm going to let him tell you more about who he is. But before we do, I want to just remind you for uh, September 8th, we're going to be having Grow Laboratory in Chicago. And remember, this is double down on your strengths and forget your weaknesses. And that's what this is all going to be about. We don't need speakers and we don't need consultants. And the ones that are going to be there, we're putting them in the crowd and we're going to put you, the agent, and pull you out of the crowd and put you on the stage. So it's going to be a different thing. It's not a workshop. It's not a trade show. It's not a convention and it's not a conference. It's Grow Laboratory on Grow on uh, on September 8th in Chicago. So I hope that you can join us. You can go to growprogram.com forward slash grow laboratory. Um, to to find out more about the event. Keep in mind that you must be a GROW member and you can go to growprogram.com forward slash free to become a free member and then there that will be able, you'll be allowed to be able to sign up for it. We hope to see you there. We're only taking 50 people and right now we have 37 people signed up. I don't know when you're listening to this podcast. It depends on when the GROW team puts it out, but I will let you know that uh, it's probably almost going to be sold out. So please find out at growprogram.com forward slash GROW laboratory. But in the meantime let's get back to what this is about and let's get on with Dave Freeze Alright, here we are back once again, guys. This is uh, fantastic. Let me read you a little bit about Dave. Dave is sitting here. He's wound up. He's ready to go. And I've asked Dave just to, just to hold tight now, just for another 30, 45 seconds. Let me introduce who he is to you. Because uh, this is somebody we've never probably had on the podcast. or Obviously, we've never had Dave on the podcast. But we've never had someone with this type of style, this type of talent, this type of skill, and, the, and this type of value that I think that he can bring to you. So this is pretty exciting. I'm excited about this one. Um, here's what we do know from a little bit that I've gotten from Lisa, his uh, his assistant, who's absolutely a wonderful person. Steve uh, Forbes, the editor-in-chief of Forbes Media, has called him a grand master of communication skills and elite. And Elite Books has called him one of the 50 most influential business thinkers today. Dave Fries is an attorney, an author, an entrepreneur, and a speaker who's lived a fascinating life that's took him across the globe and exposed him to master communicators, persuaders, and negotiators in hundreds of nations across the uh, across many cultures excuse me he's a master of teaching enhanced communication and how to go from being a persuasive to being truly influential he's been uh, he's been called to teach sales marketing inter, um, interrogation negotiation from audiences raising from computer hackers turned good guys to entrepreneurs military and civilian audiences including CEOs students administrators faculty colleges universities including Harvard Yale University of Pennsylvania Cornell ASU and many more. He's spoken to Travelers, Aramark, GE, AstraZeneca, Comcast, and hundreds of corporations and professional associations. He's also appeared on NPR, PBS, Fox News, Mind TV, and over 120 radio and television programs. So everybody, please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Dave Freeze. Dave, thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, I just wish you were a little more fired up and enthusiastic. <laughs> no, not me, not me, Dave. No, and I am, and uh, I, you know, I think my listeners know that I am a lot of times, but I really am kind of hyped up about this. And I normally don't do podcasts after noon because I usually will start to lose my energy. But it's it, so everybody knows it's uh, four. 15 right now, Central Standard Time, and I'm still hyped up because I want to hear what Dave has to say. So Dave, once again, thanks for coming in. I do greatly appreciate it. Um, I am going to start with a couple questions before we let you get on with who you are and tell us more about you. Um, Dave, the ultimate question here um, is, are you an iPhone or a Droid user? Uh, I can honestly answer both. I have both sitting here with me. They're turned off, so they won't interrupt us. <laughs> I've never had anybody answer that way. I've heard somebody say Windows Phone, but I've never heard somebody say both. Now, why do you have both? Do you use one business, one personal? Uh, one business and one personal, although the uh, I haven't been able to keep a strict division between the two of them. And also the iPhone, I do a lot of international travel for speaking. That, for the longest time, just performed better. Uh, you know, now it's easier to use the droid and, you know, right. um, call back and, and transfer the data. But the Apple has served me well in uh, in all my foreign travel. All right. Fantastic. That's that's fantastic and awesome. Thanks for letting me know that. Um, and then the app. What has there been any apps that you'd want to tell everybody about maybe that they would find interesting or you did as well? So in 19, I think it was 72 or 73, I wanted to take a course in Transcendental Meditation. I was obviously a little kid. And uh, my dad said no, because that is communism. And so I borrowed the money. <laughs> I borrowed the money from my grandmother. This is a long story about an app. But I borrowed the money from my grandmother, took the course. And I have on and off been a, a dedicated practitioner of meditation for all sorts of reasons including keeping me like i'm like you i get pretty excited about stuff mm -hmm. so i like to keep a uh, keep an even keel uh two a lot of people have been asking me lately okay if i want to learn to meditate what do i do so i downloaded both headspace and calm two very good meditation apps and if you want to be you know just dabble in meditation either to lower the blood pressure to become more creative to just have more control over yourself and your moods to just be more aware um, all positive results of meditation that's, that are all documented scientifically. This isn't just my experience. Uh, both of those I found to be really good and really cool and really lead people, experienced and non-experienced meditators alike, into uh, using meditation as a tool for all of those things. Well, and you know, Dave, also um, Headspace. Uh, I just downloaded that one about – I'd say a week and a half, two weeks ago, mm -hmm. my buddy Ryan Hanley, um, who is another speaker that I know, actually hit, reached out to me. He's like me. He's kind of high strung and needs to calm down. And so he put that out there. And so what is it? The 10 – they, they give you the free, which is 10 um, things in 10 days. So they'll mm -hmm. give you 10 minutes, 10 sessions over 10 days. I think I'm like on number eight. I've skipped a couple days. But I have to tell you um, – and this isn't what this show's about, but you've brought up something really that I've been telling a lot of people about. Like, I didn't understand what meditation was, and I thought that I did um, mm -hmm. until I started doing it. And it was like my third or fourth one. Like, I realized that I was meditating, if that kind of makes sense. And 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 when I did, I like snapped out of it. Uh, the way yes. I, the way I ex <laughs> the the way I explain it is, it's kind of like when you're almost asleep, and then someone comes in and wakes you up. Like, yes. like that's what happened. But I woke my own self up, and I was like. Oh my gosh, I was meditating. This is crazy. And so my uh, mind was calm. Yes, it is it is the wildest thing. So thank you. And we probably just made Headspace a lot of money, Dave. So anyways, uh we'll we'll move on and try to make ourselves money and them money, not a Headspace money. I have not tried Calm though. I'm going to have to try that. 
That's worth trying as well. Okay, so Dave, um, so so tell us, you know, I mean, tell us, go back to college, bring us to where you are, and 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 who you've been, and and why you've created the value you have through your experiences. Tell us. So I'm going to take you back just a little tiny bit before college because I had a weird experience. Um, I was a smart kid, but not smart about letting people know when I thought they were being stupid. (laughs) And uh, so I had a lot to learn about being a really good communicator. And uh, but uh, ultimately, when I was 16, I left home. I went as an exchange student to New Zealand where you can, you know, when you're 12,000 miles away, you can reinvent yourself. And by that, I mean, be more of who you really are rather than who everybody else expects you to be. So I had a unique experience when I went to New Zealand and then when I was in college again and then when I went to college in England. So I had these three opportunities to really totally reinvent who I was and to, you know, explore who I was and what I wanted to do. And they were amazing opportunities. I came back to the United States. I went to... Uh, college at a small liberal arts college on the East Coast where, among other things, while I was doing that, because I wrapped up there pretty fast, I also learned to be an interrogator and conducted interrogations in a number of different situations. I've always been civilian. I've just been privileged as time goes on to teach and work with lots of our folks who uh, work in either clandestine services or in the armed forces and special forces. And I love and respect all of them and just want to say thank you to them since I have this forum here. And uh, that really helped to make me – then I went to law school. And those two experiences helped to make me very, very, very good at um, understanding human behavior and communication. I looked at interrogation as an exercise in establishing rapport with people and trust and finding a way to uh, find a a mutual uh, ground where we could work together and to begin to notice when people were no longer sharing information with me and to figure out why and how to get them to kind of expand that area of trust. And so the training that I, I took Um, And the things that I did in the course of that work really helped me later to build relationships, to be a better negotiator in business, to, um, you know, be a better manager, to be a better leader. And I have continued. One of the things that I do when I meet somebody, and I think this is largely a result of those experiences I I was just describing to you, is I always say to myself, this person is better than me and Um, But I have spoken to large audiences with lots of agents in them. So I understand, uh, at least from growing up in a family like that, what it's like and some of the issues that you're facing. So here's a good example of, of a strategic issue and a tactical issue. So strategically, great communicators and persuaders realize that the words we use don't mean exactly the same thing to everybody. This gives them incredible power. So for example... If I say to you, Jason, what, uh, uh, the word turkey sandwich, what pops into your mind? What does that turkey sandwich look like? Uh, it's on white bread. It's got turkey sticking out the side with a little bit of lettuce. Is it the thick turkey or the thin? It was the thin. Any mayo or condiments on there? Uh, not that I see. Okay. So look, that sounds like a perfectly delicious turkey sandwich. But if what I wanted was the thick sliced turkey on rye, and I just said to you, hey, Jason, while you're out, could you pick me up a turkey sandwich? You would probably default to your image of a really tasty turkey sandwich. So here's the thing. I teach 
uh, agency owners and their teams is that the quality of my communication is the quality of the response I get. So if you tell your staff something and they understand something different and they deliver something different to you that wasn't what you wanted, that's not them to blame. That's you. Now, I'm not saying you never – like there are staff that if they don't listen repeatedly and if they don't check with you – and you do your best to communicate with them and they just can't produce, then maybe you got to get rid of that staff member. Right. But generally speaking, we don't take enough responsibility for our action. And we believe that when we say a word, as simple as turkey sandwich, that somebody else understands exactly what we want. So at a strategic level, great communicators know and understand they have to say, oh, by the way, Jason, when I say uh, turkey sandwich, because I know you're running out, could you stop by Roy's and get me the one on rye with mayo and the thick turkey? And now I've asked that in a polite way. I give you the money for it. I say thank you. You'll be happy to get me exactly what I want rather than what you thought was perfect but may not match. So that's a strategic level thing. A meta level thing is that great communicators know and understand that the words don't mean the same thing to people. Now here's another one. Do you have kids, by the way? Yes, I do. I have, a, I have an 11-year-old and a 17-year-old. Uh, you're going to love what I'm about to say. Okay. So if you ever say to your kids, I want you to do this, or you should do this, or do this, and it's something that you've determined with clarity in your own mind is important for them to be able to do or to know how to do or to, to learn to do. Uh, have you ever had one of your kids say, no, I can't? Typically, when kids refuse these things, by the way, it's because they're afraid of failure or that they're not going to be good enough at it or something. So if you ever said to a kid, I want you to take a music lesson or something, have you ever had one say, no, I can't? Right. Yep. So a supportive parent, when a kid says, no, I can't, says, yes, you can. And they're enthusiastic and they try to encourage the kid to do it. Here's the problem with that. Now, this is tactical. That is argumentation. So a great communicator and a great, great negotiator knows you never start communication or negotiation where you're in direct opposition to one another. So if the kids, if you say do it, the kid says I can't, and you say yes, you can, they just say to themselves, this is the internal dialogue. We've tested this a lot. I just told him or her I can't do it. They're not listening to me. Here's all the reasons I'm right and they're wrong. So they're just going to go in and reinforce what they think. So you've kind of lost the battle almost from the start. So here's tactically – how a savvier uh, you know, tactician would do this. They would say, oh, I know you feel like you can't. So notice that. The kid said, I can't. We just said, oh, I know you feel like you can't. So they feel like we're in agreement with them. Mm-hmm. But we're not exactly. We just went from the absolute of I can't to I feel like I can't, which is a less permanent state. And then I add this. I say, I know you feel like you can't yet. When you add a presupposition yet, then that presumes – that they will be able to do it sometime in the future. So in order to understand you, their brain has to make a picture of themselves being able to do it in the future. Ah, It's very cool because you seem to be in full agreement, but you just moved them twice. Yes. And then I'll give you one more follow-up to that. This, If you Google Dave Freeze and the six-word question, you can see videos of me doing this very methodically and kind of follow-up because the particular language is somewhat important. But uh, if it, then I would look around just to get that kid's sort of attention or I might say, if it's my kid, where's your mom? Now, if I was, <laughs> if I was doing this at work, I would not say, Judy, where's your mom? Because that would be creepy. <laughs> but if it was my kids, I might say that because kids – are going to be very curious about what's coming next if I say, where's your mom? Uh, 
so what we've done is called the Zarginic effect. We've actually changed the other person's neurotransmitter mix to being a little bit anxious and very curious. So they're going to pay much more attention to what we say. And then I would lean in and say, I'm just curious. So I'm not judging. I'm just curious or I'm just wondering, which also puts their mind at ease. And then here's the six-word question. What would happen if you did or what would happen if you could? Here, they have to make an image, a mental image of themselves being able to do it. So you've now twice gotten them to do that with one little sentence. It's very powerful. And, and the obvious application is at work if you say, Janet, I need that report from you by Tuesday. Or Janet, I need you to call this customer and confirm they want a $2 million umbrella liability. We think they should have a $5 million. Now, Janet might say, I can't. But if you need her to do that, then you should present this in a way that's persuasive, which is to say, Janet, I'm just curious. I know you feel like you can't yet, but what would have to happen or what would we have to change in order for you to feel completely sure and certain you could do that by the end of the day today? And then frequently Janet will just say, well, I need somebody to take the phones for me for a while because that'll be a long call. So we just went from Janet refusing and saying I can't to being able to do it. Love that. Love Isn't that. Isn't that Dave. awesome? That is good, Dave. That is good. And that's something I can use right immediately with my uh, with some of my team. Uh, and like you said, even my children, which let's be honest with you, that's just as vital. Yeah. Wow. I like that. Uh, so no, you can't verse uh, to yes, you can verse. I know you feel like you can't yet. Yet. Yeah. I like that. Yep. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So I, I do like that. Okay. And so that's so that's where you're going from kind of being a communicator almost into a persuader. Am I right? I mean, I could be using the wrong terms here. No, that's a very good distinction and one worth making. Let's talk about that for one second. Okay. I'm, when I teach people persuasion skills, that's what they want to know. How do I persuade? How do I persuade? Well, I'll show you and I'll give you all the tricks that you know people use in these professions to achieve these wild results. Uh, and, and, and I'll teach you that, and I'll give you the strategies and the tactics, and you'll be able to do it. But it is hard work. Persuading people is getting them to look at things from a completely different angle and to come around to your viewpoint and to decide that it is a match to what they need. But when you are consistently persuasive and you've built trust with them, eventually they get to the point where they go, I trust that guy. And every time he's told me that uh, he's learned about what I want and need, and he says, this is the thing. It is the thing. So then they shift over from being willing to be persuaded to you to being uh, influenced by you. They look to you. They come to you. And I, I observe this in my brother's agency all the time. People come in that door and are asking him to give him advice or steer him in the right direction as to all manner of things, not just related to insurance. I also saw one time an article in a newspaper where a a uh, storm had come through and knocked out an ice cream store's freezers. And the first person on the scene was my brother with a generator that saved the ice cream. Now, that one got him enormous PR. And two, you think anybody that ever asked those people who owned a chain of ice cream stores who they did their commercial and personal line stuff with, yeah. uh, they weren't going to tell them to go anywhere else but to my brother's firm. So, And my brother is constantly telling people, uh, listen, the thing you're asking me, we don't do that here at this agency, but I want you to feel comfortable calling me about any problem that you have related to insurance, and we, I'm in a really good position to help you find the right person. Yeah. 
Now, when somebody turns down money because they say, I'm not the best at that for you and steers you to somebody else, that builds an enormous amount of trust very quickly. Yes, I could agree. I could agree. I've, I've heard that before, too. And, and, and then, you know, I was talking with an agent, and I can't remember who it was, but and then he was telling me that that was one of his goals was is if I couldn't help you, I wanted to be the turnstile for any other thing that you could possibly need. And I've noticed that in my since I had heard him say that that some of my top clientele, Dave, um, they will call me about other things, and usually mm-hmm. they don't call me. That's when they text me or Facebook message me, like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" Mm-hmm. You know, and it's kind of like, "Wow, this has nothing to do with insurance." What do they? Why do they think that I know about this? Well, it's obviously maybe because I've built that to that influence stage. So that that makes sense. That that makes sense now that I hear that and think about that. And when you're influential, it reduces the cost of acquiring new clients because. People who are influenced by you are way, 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 way more likely to uh, to very comfortably recommend the right types of clients to you. Well, and, and that's that's exactly right. I like that. That's a great point there, Dave. Now, one of the things that um, that that when we're talking about uh, oh shoot, I just lost my brain. My brain just went blank there. We were talking about persuasion and, and different persuasion to influence. And yeah. I did have one other. Go story. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You want me to pick up? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll talk about it later. Okay. So I just wanted to mention to your agents that, um, you know, my brother one time came to me and he said, I'm constantly trying to get people to either add umbrella policies or increase their umbrella limits for all kinds of good reasons. And uh, we're pretty successful at that. But he says, anytime a client goes to see you, they march over here. And even if I've told about it for years, they demand an umbrella or higher limits. And what what, uh, he asked me what I was doing, and I just want to share with you how powerful story is. So when you have both trust and you're interesting and entertaining. So I used to tell my clients if they didn't have an umbrella policy about a firm where I worked, and I would go downstairs and I would see if somebody just had the basic coverages. They sent out this guy that had like frizzy hair and wore tennis shoes and lost lots of cases because <laughs> the insurance company didn't have much money in the game. If you had a million to $3 million liability umbrella policy, this, they had skin in the game. They sent you a guy, H. Coleman Switch. K the third. He was awesome. He won his cases. And then if you had like a five or $10 million liability umbrella, they sent out this guy with slick back black hair and custom suits and a alligator bag. And he just was an assassin. And so as soon as I could afford to get that $5 million liability, liability umbrella policy, I did because I wanted the assassin on my side. <laughs> And you just tell that story, and people are like, why wouldn't I want that? I think so. that's great. That is awesome. I, I know every insurance professional right now is laughing as well. That is a great little story. I like that a lot. Um, they'd bring out the black slicked back hair. We'd call them the assassin. Cowboy boots, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, um, one of the things I was saying was is that now when we talk about persuasion, when we jump back from being an influencer back to a persuader because – I mean, that's you got to be there before you can be in the as an influencer. And here's my question that I have for you as far as persuasion. You said that persuasion is getting people to see things from different uh, different viewpoints or seeing things differently. Ironically enough, in that book, Originals, one of the things that he talked about was is is for you, is a lot of originals have the power to do a vujade. 
Now, I had never heard of that before, but he said it's actually the opposite of deja vu. Deja vu is when you see something and then you felt as if you've mm-hmm. seen that before or experienced it before, as opposed to vujade is exactly opposite where you experience it, but you now look at it from a totally different viewpoint than you did before. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very strong trait that you just alluded to and that he talked about in the book. And some of the things, and maybe you can make it towards insurance, maybe you can't, but how do we start to, what persuasive skills do we need to develop and how do we develop them to get people to see things from a different viewpoint? Because, because Dave, I think that could be vital to an insurance agent being more successful than he is now. If I can get them to see things from my point of view without boring them with insurance, technology or uh, terminology I think that that could be a powerful skill do you have any any ways we can become a better uh, persuader I'm going to give you one that will make all your agents marketing better and will magically transform them into better persuaders so let me use uh, lawyers as an example but then we'll transition over to agents lawyers so for example if they practice elder law are constantly talking to people about elder law trusts Here's the problem. Nobody knows what that means. Lawyers refer to them as Medicaid trusts, asset protective trusts, elder law trusts. Well, the people who need them don't know what that means. And weirdly, elder law attorneys think they're marketing to people who are in their 70s and 80s and want to protect their assets. But who they're really marketing to to are people in their late 40s to early 60s whose parents are facing nursing home care and they're now driving the financial bus and want to preserve those assets, protect those assets for the family and for the mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So the, the key for your agents and for these lawyers is to get over the curse of knowledge. Your agents know so much about the product and they know the secret lingo that they use. What they have to get in the habit of doing is asking what is the client thinking? What is the customer thinking? What are they worried about? Uh, because we look, so for example, in my own case, uh, I have a trusted estates practice. We could market to 40 year old people all day long because they have kids and they should do wills. But people don't really turn their attention to this till they're about 53 and they've had a friend who's had a heart attack or a parent who's passed away and they've seen the results of not doing it. They're also at a point in their career where they can afford to do it and expect to pay more. Agents should be thinking the same way. Who are my best clients in my community? What do they look like? What are their ages? What's their gender? Um, what do they have in common? Do, do they, are they all members of a particular club? Not because you're going to go to that club to market, but once you figure out that your particular market, your best ones, not your worst ones, your best ones, are all between the ages of 45 and 62, and they own a home in a certain kind of range, that's going to tell you more about how to market to them. And here's what I say. When you meet with them, ask them questions like, I want to serve you. Forget about insurance just for a second. What is it that you worry about? Well, if they have teenage kids and they don't say that they're worried about them having an accident and getting sued, then you got to interject that into the conversation. Okay. Because sometimes people don't even know what they should be afraid of. But then listen very carefully to the language that they use to describe their fears and their aspirations and the things they want and the things that they need to get out of their insurance. Because we tend to think that They understand what we're saying, but we're using the secret language. And we tend to think that we know what they need, but we don't know what they want or what they're looking for. And when we can start asking them questions and paying attention to the language they use and meet them where they are, 
Uh, Ebed Pagan refers to this as the pill in the meat. We know what they need, but we got to give them what they want, and then we could deliver the other coverages that they need. So, for example, in in um, some states, Pennsylvania is one of them. There's limited tort, right? Mm-hmm. So, so people say, "Well, I want limited tort because I want to save money," or they go very low on their uninsured underinsured motorist coverage. And I would say to people, if I was an agent, well, look, I know you want to save money, but here's a consequence. If you are in an accident and get sued, you have limited tort, then this is what you can and can't do. And if you don't uh, buy higher coverages of your uninsured motorist coverage and somebody hits you and they don't have good coverage, and there's st- I could show you stats. I'd look them up in your state. But, you know, in, in Pennsylvania, we have an astonishingly high percentage of uninsured drivers. Right. And so if one of them hits you, that is the only insurance you have to protect you and your family. So let's get those up. But you can't start there. You have to find out what's worrying them because they don't even know what uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage is. And even when you tell them with your hyper-technical hyper mumbo-jumbo, they, <laughs> they nod and they pretend like they do, but they do not. So just paying attention to what they say and asking them questions before we try to sell them stuff and learning who our best clients are and what they're worried about and what the language is. You'll just become, when you start doing that habitually, you'll become a way better communicator. And they'll see that. Your kids will see it and they'll start to model you. So instead of you saying to your kids, hey, pick up a turkey sandwich, and by the way, this is what I mean – They'll start to say to you, I know you want a turkey sandwich, but which kind do you want today? And that makes them way better communicators, too. Oh, never thought of that. Yes. You set up a virtuous cycle of communication. Yes, you do. Wow, I didn't think of it from that. And and then your employees the same way because they get used and then they start asking better questions. Really, really good. I like it. Now, one of the things, Dave, that I've been hitting on a lot um, is double down on your strengths and forget your weaknesses. I'm I'm on this mission for the past couple months that I'm tired of people. We're always trying to to fix our weaknesses. Which is very hard. It's very hard. And there's good reason why people want to do that. I understand. But I'm trying to get people to realize that what we do is, is we try to worry about our weaknesses all the time and we neglect our strengths. And that's really what... God or whatever creature or human being or spiritual being you believe it is, is, that's what they actually, that's the gift they gave us and we should probably be trying to maximize that more. What out there do you see as a strength in a lot of people who don't realize that they have it when it comes to communicating, persuading, interrogating, whatever it could be? Is there something that you see out there that there's just this hidden gem that a lot of people have and they could easily strengthen it? Um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, and I apologize for that, but I'm just I'm just kind of curious and thinking about that. No, it's a strength and a weakness at the same time that I see. So people pay attention uh, early on. So when they meet someone, they will look them in the eye, and they'll start to listen to what they say. So that's the strength there. The, but you can multiply that strength a hundredfold by by – catching yourself doing this, which is the weakness. Once somebody starts to talk, we look at them when we first meet them, we look them in the eye, but then we start to go inside and think about what they said. What am I going to say to them? We're starting to plan our answer already. Don't do that. Just catch yourself doing it because you're doing it all the time Mm -hmm. and just prolong the look at them. Try to find something that you really like about them. Just This could be superficial. Just like I like that guy's tie. I like her eyes. I like that person's hair. I like the sound of their voice. And then you, by paying more attention to them and genuinely listening to what they say for longer, 
before we start to plan our response. That will so distinguish you from everybody else because what most people see at an unconscious level is they meet somebody, there's a momentary flicker of interest, they start to pay attention, and then they drift off. And when you do something different, when you can hold that attention, so it is a strength that we almost all have as primates because we have to size up who we just met and we have to determine if they're a danger or not. So we have this strength very naturally, but we let it go too soon. And so don't just don't pay attention to the letting it go too soon. Pay attention to how good you are at looking at looking people in the eye, uh, listening to what they're saying, pay attention to their words, repeat their name to yourself. These are all things that will let them perceive in your body language and ultimately when you do start to talk to them, you'll be listening to them. Another little trick, and I see people do this instinctively, but they should just do it more often, is when somebody starts talking to you, lean in a tiny bit. It is an international symbol across cultures for I'm paying closer attention to what you're saying. And that triggers a response in people. In the mirror neurons, you'll see people will lean in too when you do it. And they'll engage more. So uh, it is a strength and a weakness, but we could build the strength. And and there's mathematical evidence for what you're describing, which is we can work on our strengths all day long. It'll take a lot of effort. We can make modest improvement. But the 80-20 rule tells us we spend 80% of our time in 20% of our space in our house. We were we're 20% of our wardrobe 80% of the time. We make 80% of our money probably from about 10 to 20, maybe 25% of our clients, believe it or not. And the bottom 20% are the ones that cause all the trouble and keep us from treating everybody else you know, with the best possible care that we can. Mm-hmm. And this is the same with skills. You have skills that you're good at, and by enhancing that top 20%, you're going to get more and more out of them. Wow, you just helped justify my double down on your strengths and forget your weaknesses. So that's even yeah. better on the old 80-20 rule. I like that yeah. a lot. I like that a lot. Now, one of the things I want to close um, coming up with your three-day to success uh, thing that you have going on because I have no idea what this is, um, but I just roughly just doing some research over the last couple of days, uh, I found out about it with you. But one thing I want to say is is that there was a gentleman. He was a sales trainer. He was probably in my first or second year as an insurance agent. His name was uh, Omar Perryu. And he was a gentleman that was uh, had come from Cuba, didn't even know how to speak English when he came to America, and he's very, very successful now. But one of the things that he said he had always used as a reference to make sure that he could pay attention to the client was, or to the person was, is he would always go into the mode of a detective. He said, because if you look at the way detectives get information, he said they ask questions and they shut up and listen. And then they write down the notes and they ask questions and they shut up and listen. And I remember I used to always say that, and I, and I explained that to my agents as well whenever we're trying to understand how to listen and some of the things that you're talking about. And I think if a lot of agents out there just put that visual in their head and when they're talking, I think it goes along with what you're saying, Dave. It's it's ask the questions, but listen to what they say. Don't try to think about what you say, what you were going to reply mm-hmm. to. And I think that that is very, very vital. Um, the agent in my office, Travis, he said one time, he said, when you're selling life insurance, don't sell with your pocketbook. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very, very powerful because I got to admit, I think I and I think a lot of agents in listening, you'd be honest with yourself to say that that's what we normally do. Well, I can't – I'm not going to give them that plan because they can't afford that. Well, you don't know that. You know what I mean? So, And you don't know even if it even if it would be hard for them. You don't know. That may be their top priority and they may sacrifice other things for it. 
That's Ooh. not for you to decide. Ooh, that's a good point. That is a good extra to that. It is not. So what is this? Wrapping this up, what's this three-day to success uh, that, you, that you have coming up, this live event in the fall? So I uh, thank you for asking. I uh, have an event with about uh, 30 to 40 people. I keep it very small uh, called Three Days to Success. It alternates years. Last year was how we use the laws of physics and biology to enhance our businesses and personal lives. What lessons can we learn from them that we can adapt? And then in the alternating years, it's business black ops where we have spies and interrogators and hostage negotiators, um, uh, ex-military come. And we're not teaching anything that has to do with the military. We're teaching what are the lessons of the force multipliers that people learned as a special forces operator, so this year, for example, we have Jocko Willink, one of the most uh, uh, highly decorated Navy SEALs who commanded uh, Task Unit Bruiser in Ramadi and wrote a New York Times bestselling book on leadership called Extreme Ownership. So you're going to get to see Jocko in a very small setting, which is rare, and this guy is teaching people how to use these communication skills to build great leadership skills. And I'll be there teaching how to you know, teach uh, these persuasion and influence skills. And uh, we have somebody who ran a counterinsurgency op in Iraq teaching um, how you can apply Sun Tzu's The Art of War principles to business and your life. And these things, we're not saying, here's what we learned in the field. And uh, we're, we're saying, here's what we learned in the field. Here's the lesson. Here's why it worked. And here's how you use it in, in business and in your personal life. And uh, it's a very exciting program to me. I like it. It has amazing impact on people. Uh, people come away from it. So we, we teach them fun things, too, at Business Black Ops, like how to shoot or pick locks or escape from duct tape and things like that. <laughs> just as metaphors, just for fun. <laughs> That sounds cool. So yeah, I'm on the three day to success dot com, and yeah, you do have a little thing here. Uh, looks pretty cool. Got a little video on here, and uh, so yeah, that that's pretty cool. Um, anything else that uh, people can find you? It looks like they can find you at twitter dot com forward slash Dave Freeze, and that is F R E E S. Or you could find them at facebook dot com forward slash David Freeze. Um, and then also Dave's website is uh, www.successtechnologies.com. Um, and if, and if, they, if they go to the slash blog, if they go to the blog, there are tons of resources there for them. Okay, fantastic. That's awesome. But be sure to check out this 3 days to successcom It looks like it's going to be held in, in Tempe. Is that right? Tempe? Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's at the Tempe Mission Palms, so in your okay. old stomping ground. Yeah, that's exactly right. It is. Wow. See, you listened. You paid attention. You know I what did. I'm talking. <laughs> I have a file on you now. <laughs> you have a file. Yeah, you've got friends that can find out stuff on me. So, anyways, yeah. Um, well, once again, Dave, we just we really do appreciate it. I'm gonna um, before I close. Is there anything that you want to add? Is there anything that you, maybe we didn't get out there that you want to tell? I mean, we're we're not on a time limit. I own this baby. We can stay here as long as we want. But is there anything you want to add to wrap this up? Well, one of the things that's always served me when I'm on a podcast, I always learn something. And you were a great interviewer, by the way. But uh, or if I'm in a class or if I'm teaching a class, I always try to get everybody to say quickly before they it, it, they lose it. And you may not be in a position listening to the podcast to write all this down. But if you are, uh, write it down. And if you're not, think about this. What did I learn here? What what were one or two or three things that I learned that could make a difference? And then what do I do now? So it's going from – it's because I think learning isn't complete until something changes and something happens. Mm -hmm. So it's great to learn the six-word question. It's great to learn all these little tricks that I told you. But what do I do now? Maybe it's try to incorporate one. Maybe it's try to listen more. Maybe it's but, – but set 
the time you're going to do it. Block some time to practice these skills. Block some time to read more on this. I love the the originals that you're talking. I'm going to get that book like ASAP. It is cool. And uh, get Jocko's book if you haven't read it called Extreme Ownership, How Navy Seals Lead and Win. Another good one. And so, that, w- that was going to be my last question was the book that you're reading. So is that the one you would say? Say that again. Yeah, it's uh, by Jocko Willink, who's uh, Navy SEAL, Lieutenant Commander, retired, uh, SEAL Team 3, uh, fought multiple deployments in uh, Iraq, and just a great guy and a brilliant teacher. He is a trained killer with the mind of a therapist and the ability to teach like a teacher. He's, he's just an amazing guy. Wow, wow. It, it looks, it looks amazing. It sounds amazing. And also, you also co-authored a, a book, Einstein's Business. Is that correct? I did. The book for your guys is actually, believe it or not, a parenting book. It's the one that Steve Forbes reviewed. Mm-hmm. And, and even though it's a parenting book, but you could buy that whether or not you're a parent because if you've got an agency, this is kind of a little Bible of how spies and interrogators would raise their kids using these strategies and slick little uh, biological tactics that I talked about their communication. It's a quick read. It's really easy. It's a. It's probably still available at Barnes and Noble, but you get it on Amazon. Just just search on Amazon David M. Freeze the Third, uh, Roman numeral three, and you'll it'll pop up. And that's a really good book because it describes each of these techniques and how to deploy them. And what was the name of it, Dave? Uh, the language of parenting. Language of parenting. Okay, all right. Well, fantastic, David. It has been uh, it has been an honor. It really has been uh, to have you on. I think Thank that you. this this was just as awesome as I I thought it would be. I will be getting a lot of feedback from the listeners. I know I will be because I think uh, what was really awesome, Dave, that I have to take away from this is is how uh, not a lot of my um, people that I interview, and that's okay that they don't because they don't come from that background of insurance. They can't necessarily turn the stories into what we would uh, the way that we think as agents but that was one thing you really really did well and I thought that was something I wasn't expecting I didn't even know about your family having an independent insurance agency until we were talking before the podcast so I really appreciate you doing that 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 uh, that really helped us and thank you and if you ever want to do another one where we just talk about these kind of tactical things and what we do and what they do in the agency with clients and things happy to come back love helping agents yeah and you will and I'm going to talk to you about that because we have a mastermind group that they all know about and they all wish they were members of it it's actually a paid mastermind where we bring on speakers on the second and third or on the second and fourth Thursday of every month and we talk about this stuff so I'm going to reach back out to you and I do greatly appreciate your time Happy to help. Thank you so much. It was an honor. So to all you listeners out there, it, it, it just 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 like we, I appreciate it, Dave. I greatly appreciate you. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you writing reviews on iTunes. I appreciate you doing everything you do on Stitcher, no matter where you're finding us. The thing that I just have to tell you and I ask you the most is make sure that you share this podcast because by sharing this podcast, we can do the we can do what we set out to do at the beginning of this podcast three years ago, and that is is to create forward movement and change in the insurance industry because God knows it is very, very, very archaic. So in the meantime, though, tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, and I am out. Out.